0: We are continuing our series called The Walk Five Essential Practices of the Christian Life. And this is a sermon series, but it also goes along with our church wide small group study. And the idea is that we're going to look at these five spiritual practices in our Christian faith that help us to have enduring and lasting faith that we can finish this year strong. And the series is based on this book with the same title by Reverend Adam Hamilton. Um, and it, it may seem rudimentary at first as we go through this series that the topics that we cover, worship and prayer, studying scripture, sharing with others, serving, giving, these may seem like very rudimentary things like, well, don't, shouldn't we all know these things? But the whole idea is that sometimes we get complacent, right? And we need these constant reminders of how it is that we ought to live at our faith. And again, like I said last week, it's, it's called Christian practice, not Christian accomplishment, And so every step of the way, every part of our journey, we experience these five uh, catalysts, these five practices in different ways and in new ways. So last week, my message was titled A Living Hallelujah, and we talked about worship and prayer as a core practice of who we are as a people of God. Today, I want to talk about studying scripture, and my title is Listening and Paying Attention, how we listen and pay attention as we study scripture. Now, Reverend Hamilton talks about um, two types of revelation when it comes to the Christian faith. There's general revelation, and then there's special revelation, right? So we have general revelation, which comes through four different ways that he outlines. First one is creation and nature, creation and nature, or what we see, what is observable in the world, the natural world around us. And the psalmist really taps into this and really has an understanding of God's creation and the beauty that is out there. In Psalm 19, uh, verses 1 through 4, it reads, The heavens declare the glory of, the, of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard for them, yet Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of all the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun, invoking this imagery of creation and this understanding that the works of God's hands gives glory to God, right? And we are seeing God's uh, creation and his beauty expressed through these ways in the works of his hands. Then we see it through the arts. We see it firstly through creation and nature, and the second one is through the arts, Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to popular culture in Nassau recently, but there's a lot of amazing art galleries and a lot of great showings right now. And I really encourage you to go and look up the local art galleries and to just go and experience it. You may not always understand everything that you see, but there's something beautiful about the way we have some artists right in our own community, and we have a long tradition at this church of of celebrating the arts. There's something so beautiful about watching and, and observing the work that is created by somebody created by the creator, right? That we are living into the image of God as we produce, as we create images that, that bring us, that give us reactions, right? We, we look at it and either we have a repulsion or we're drawn to it. Either way, it, it's something that's speaking to us deep within us that maybe it's more than words that can describe, right? So general revelation, it comes through creation and nature, it comes through the arts. The next one he talks about is through life experiences and people, right? Everyday people and everyday stories. We experience the work of God and we see God moving as we talk with one another, as we journey with one another, as we hear what the story of their life was and how God is unfolding the story in their lives today. Hamilton says in the book, The Walk, he says, so many of Jesus' parables involved seeing the kingdom of God through the stories of people. God speaks through our everyday experiences and interactions with other people if we only listen. So general revelation, it comes through creation and nature. It comes through the arts, life experiences, and people And then lastly, we have conscience, intuition, and reason. This is our gut feeling, right? The the way that our mind works and how we feel. Our God-given capacity for discernment is what I think it is. The sense of understanding, well, something doesn't feel quite right in me or something is stirring up in me. And how can I reason and think through this feeling that I have, right? Then Hamilton talks about special revelation. And the first one he talks about under this is the Holy Spirit, which is the active work of God after Jesus had left the earth. And Jesus promised to his disciples in the Gospel of John in a section that theologians call the Farewell Discourse, he promises them the Holy Spirit, knowing that he was leaving them, but he was not leaving them empty-handed. And so throughout the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit at work in the people who are called the apostles and the church that is starting. I kind of say that the Holy Spirit is like a spontaneous guidance, right? That maybe it's one of these moments where you have an inkling that, you know what, I should pick up the phone and call this person. I, I should text them and see how they're doing to see what's going on in their life. I haven't talked to them in a long time. Or, you know, God placed it on my heart to really speak to this person right now. It's the thing that pops into your head that, that is an act of love, an act of mercy, an act of grace, Right? And then the second one is through scripture, which we're going to talk about in more depth today. What I'll say is this, a lot of people know scripture, but they don't know a lot about scripture. A lot of people know scripture, they could quote it to you back in front, but if you actually ask them to dig into what the context and all of that really means, it's kind of like, no, don't ask me them kind of questions, right? Just, Just hear the verse that I'm quoting back to you. Scripture for us is this really beautiful thing. It, it, it's, it's not just one book, right? Sometimes we say the acronym is, um, of Bible is Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, right? Which is kind of reductive in some ways to how beautiful our scriptures really are. It's not one long book. It, it's this collection of books inspired by God, written by people over the course of 1,400 years, Right, and it is originally written to different people, written in different languages, and it's this is beautiful collection of books. It's a library, has different genres in it: poetry, music, storytelling, prophecies, right, prose, parody, even right. We see this in, in in Jonah. It's a it's a parody of the powerful. The Old Testament is this rich history of the people of God trying to figure out who they want to be and who God is to them the misadventures of the people of God as they go throughout the wilderness and trying to establish their identity, trying to be faithful and give language to their experiences and how they relate to the divine. The New Testament then is this story of Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah, and it tells of his life and his journey with his followers, and as he leaves the earth, he dies, and he's resurrected, and he ascends to heaven. It tells of the story of the church being born and then it ends with the ultimate revelation of who God is and God's love for us and how God will reconcile all things unto himself. Scripture is this really beautiful thing. And listening for what God may be saying through Scripture begins with listening to what the text actually says, all right? Sometimes we might come to the Bible and Scripture with an agenda, right? Let me see what God have to say about this thing today because I need to get through this day. So let me flip through the pages and play Russian roulette with the Bible, Right? A lot of times we go to the text and we, what's called proof texting, right? We try to find a verse to fit what we want it to say and what we want something to mean, right? And I think when we do that, we miss really important things in scripture. We miss some really beautiful insights and we put words in the text's mouth, right? We say things that the text is not actually saying. So I'll give you a few examples of that. Remember the story, some of you might know of David and Bathsheba, And um, a lot of times the way that people tell the story is that Bathsheba is bathing on the roof and David looks down and he calls her to his palace and then he has his way with her, which is completely inaccurate. Um, The scripture actually says that David was on his roof and is looking down at Bathsheba and summons him to her, right? And you see how important that difference is and what that means for biblical interpretation and what that means for the way that we see women, right? We put words in the text's mouth, and often we have to be careful of that. Think about Mary Magdalene, another story of a woman, right? Go figure. Confused as a prostitute in church tradition over a long period of time when the scriptures only tell us that she was a sinful woman, right? And then she gets confused with being this woman from Luke chapter 7. The text doesn't actually tell us that that was her occupation. And so we see that coming out in pop culture and movies and all this kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, how do we, mis- how do we malign this woman's name, right? Then we have this verse, this last one I think about, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? We love to say that, and we love to talk about it in terms of money and tangs, right? Like, God is going to bless you and pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? Truth of the matter is, when you look at the context of that verse, Jesus is actually talking about the way that we dish out forgiveness, And so the same measure in which you dish out forgiveness is the same way it's going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? It sounds great to say that you're going to get that kind of blessing, but that's not what the text tells us, right? So in the same way that we talked about last week, that prayer is a conversation, studying the Bible requires that we also have this conversation, that we listen and we pay attention, right? So I want to look at a story from Acts chapter 8. There's these two um, men going along this road and walking their own journeys with God. And little did they know that their journeys with God would intersect, right? That they would cross paths. So Acts chapter 8, verses 29 and 39. This is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, if you're familiar with that story. Then the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is what the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask? Tell me, please. Who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? So who was Philip? Philip was one of the seven men chosen by the apostles as a deacon, somebody who helped the apostles and the disciples do the work of ministry, the day-to-day work of ministry. And he became an evangelist and started in this area called Samaria, which is where the Samaritans, if you're familiar with that term, are from. His walk with God, Philip's walk with God, was a special revelation through the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the text tells us that the Spirit told Philip to go to this man, right? Right? Told him to go to the eunuch. And there we have the Ethiopian eunuch. And eunuchs are somebody who's uh, a man who's castrated around puberty and so that he can serve in the temple court, so there's no impropriety with the women of the temple court, right? And he served under the queen of Ethiopia. His walk with God came through struggling through the special revelation with Scripture. Right? So we have both of these two coming together with these different revelations, right? They were on parallel walks with. God. Walking with scripture is an integral part of the story. And it led the eunuch to faith in Christ all along the way to getting baptized, right? He said, look, here's water. Why why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And it was because he saw himself as a suffering servant, which is that text from Isaiah. He, He identified with the person that Isaiah was talking about, the suffering servant. He saw himself in the text. Let me tell you something about Keith Bethel. Young Keith Bethel, he did not enjoy reading. That's me if you don't know my name, by the way. I did not enjoy reading when I was younger. I actually only enjoyed books because they had illustrations in them. And I was like, okay, well, I like to draw. Let me go find the illustrations and we'll get to the words later, right? Um, But as an adult, you know, you grow into having a greater appreciation for reading more than just what you're used to or not reading at all. Right? so that you can be a more well-rounded person. and I think that kind of applied a little bit to my scripture reading because I was not a very good pastor's kid when it comes to reading Bible. Right, But as an adult, I began to see the beauty of scripture and understanding, okay, there's something more here that I need to read about. There's, there's some really beautiful stories in here. But what I came to understand over time, especially through theological studies, is that you really have to sit with a text sometimes to really get something out of it. It's not just going to come up to you in a moment's notice. Sometimes you have to journey with these texts, journey with the scriptures, journey with the words on the page. And then you might have a guide like Philip who comes along and encourages you to go deeper into it, to have a new understanding of, of, this, of this word that you're reading. And you begin to see yourself in this text. I think about this in one of my professors, Dr. Lisa Wolf. Um, she gave me this opportunity to really dive into the psalms and the prophetic texts like Isaiah and Jeremiah and look at the word Zion and out of that we began having a conversation about oh yeah this word is used a lot in reggae music and then we started having this wider conversation about, oh, there's this connection with reggae music and Rastafari religion and the Old Testament and how all of this kind of plays together. And she challenged me for a grade to write this paper on the use of the word Zion in the Rastafari religion and um, and the Old Testament and the connection between Jewish worship and Jewish practice. Um, And it was really one of these beautiful moments that I just kind of came alive because she journeyed along with me like Philip to say, look at this text a little bit more deeply. Look at how this word has been used in, through different times for different people, right? Even today in different religious practices and what does that, how does that inform how you see it as a Christian, All right? It, it was really one of these beautiful moments where I started to see the Psalms a little bit differently. I saw these as more sacred songs that were passed down and are so rich if you would just sit, you would listen, You would pay attention to what the words are saying to you. So Hamilton talks about these tips for reading the Bible. These three tips. The the first one, he says that we ought to read for understanding. right? Read for understanding. And when we read for understanding, we learn the context of what's happening in the passage. Place and time. Again, remember, these are texts written over centuries. Different parts of the world from where we are, right? And so how do we understand, what does it mean when we read X, Y, Z, and where was this written, and why was it written, who was it written to? It's really important that we understand that, right? And that there are some really good resources out there, by the way, Um, I wouldn't encourage you to Google any and everything, but there are some really good resources out there, study Bibles that can help us to dig into certain passages so that we can get a fuller understanding of what we're reading. One of the things that's really important for us is to engage our intellect. God doesn't want you to check your brain at the door. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, minds, and strength. With every fiber of your being, bring yourself to God. Study the text. Bring everything that you have to it. So the first thing we do, is we read it for understanding. The second thing we read it for is Formation. Right? We're being formed by the words of the text. We're being transformed by them. Right? And there's three questions that we ought to ask ourselves when we talk about formation. What does this passage tell me about God? Right? What does this passage tell me about the character of God, the nature of God, who God is in our lives, right? how other people over time have described God? What does this passage tell me about people? Right? What does it tell me about how God sees people, how people have interacted with one another? And then finally, what does this passage tell me about God's will for my life? What does this passage tell me about God's will for my life? What is it that God is asking of me? Now that I've read this, this, this text, now that I've understood the context of it, it's not good to just have knowledge of it, but what is God actually asking me to do with this information, right? So we read it for understanding. We read the text for formation. Finally, we read the text as an act of prayer. We do it in a way that teaches us to pray, that we meditate on the words. We let them sit with us for a moment. We don't talk. We don't say anything. We don't try to angle for meaning. We just let the words come to us, wash over us. And over time, you'll find yourself learning to pray said words, that the words of Scripture become vocabulary for you in your prayer life. And what a lot of people do is they pray the Psalms. A lot of the tradition throughout the church is that we pray the Psalms. One thing I like to do is I like to read it once aloud, and then I want to read it again silently, right? One of the prayers that I use um, every week is, comes from Psalm 27, Some selected verses from there where it says, one thing I desire of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Every time I do that that prayer routine, those are the opening words. It it centers my mind, it reminds me of the one to whom my affections are going towards. So when we read the text, we, we can read it for understanding, we can read it for formation, and we can use it as a tool and as a, prayer, uh, as a prayer guide. And when we do this, we actually appreciate Scripture because I think a lot of times there are people and settings that misappropriate the text, right? We shouldn't read the Bible for our own self-interest. And too often, the Bible is used as a weapon, right, to be people over with, to defend God, as if God needs our defending, right? It's used as a tool of coercion, that we have to get people to believe how we want them to believe, right? It's used as an object of worship, that we idolize it instead of worshiping the one to whom the scriptures speak. Scripture is a gift, friends. It is a gift given to us. And if we really appreciate a gift, we manage it well. We take care of it. We try to understand every part of it. We invest our time and our energy into making ourselves more like the gift that we have, right, to to center our lives around it. It's a gift from people over millennia sharing their experience of God, telling their stories that were once oral tradition, and they said, you know what, no, we have to write this stuff down because someday the generations are going to need to hear this stuff. And as we read Scripture, as we sit with it, we get a glimpse of how our own stories are being written, how God is unfolding a story in our own lives. So as I begin to wrap up today, I think about all the groups that we have, the small groups that we have going on. We we launched Open Table this past week. And I think about how people are gathering together for community, for fellowship, but also to grow in their faith by study of the Word. And in the study of the Holy Scriptures, I think we begin to see our eyes opening to things we otherwise would not have if we were in isolation. That the Holy Spirit is a part of us and and is moving in and amongst us as we share with one another what these words mean to us, how the word has impacted our lives, and how God can do something for you as well. As we read Scripture, I think we get a glimpse in the mirror. We realize that much of what happens back then still happens today. Same problems, but guess what? Same God, right? And so as we read the scriptures and we meditate on these words of others' journeys, how can we ourselves observe God at work in our world and in our lives today? How is the story of God unfolding in your life? How is the love of Jesus coming alive in your life, through your life, And I think about as we prepare to come to communion today, when we come to this table, we are reminded of the living word. We like to use that phrase, right? And sometimes we believe, or we actually do believe, that scripture is living because it's... You ever come to a text, and this happens to preachers a lot, where you read it one time, and years later, you read it, and you're like, wait a minute, I never noticed that before. I, I didn't see that part before. It's living in that sense is that the Holy Spirit continues to speak new revelatory things to us as we go along. But it's also living because we believe that Jesus himself is the living word, that in John's gospel, he came down to this earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? This meal that we are about to partake in is a reminder of that, is a reminder of that living word and the love that the word of God wants to convey to us. Last quote, as we wrap up, Hamilton says, when God sought to speak to the human race, to disclose who God is and who God calls us to be, he did not send a book. He sent a person. Jesus was God's word. God's message wrapped in human flesh. The word became flesh and lived among us, lived the fullness of what God was trying to communicate to us through these words. And so, as you meditate on the scriptures in the word this week, may the word fill you with peace and guide you to the one whom these words speak of. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word today. The words of scripture that come alive every time we open them, if we would just listen and pay attention to what you speak. Like Samuel, oh God, in the night when we hear this voice calling out to us and we get up thinking that it's somebody or something else, may you remind us, oh God, to just stop and listen. And when we hear your words beckoning to us, we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. May the words just wash over us, O God, as we devote ourselves to the reading and the understanding of your word, that it may not just rest with knowledge, but that it would transform who we are. And in being transformed ourselves, we go out into the world to share your love that it too may be transformed. Help us, oh God, to be a people who listen. Help us, O God, to be a people who pay attention so what your word speaks: Thank you for this gift. May we never take it for granted. Amen.